Hi, this is Dawn Shireen, and this is my podcast, Dancing with Bipolar. Today's special guest is Johnny Crowder, founder and CEO of Coke Notes. It can also be found at www.copenotes.com and also at the Cope Notes podcast. Johnny and I will discuss Cope Notes and how we're dealing with this new world that we're living in. So without further ado, let's bring on Johnny. Hello, hello. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. This is my first time using Anchor, so I have never heard of it before right now. I'll just use my phone to keep things easy. Okay, whatever way you want to work it. It doesn't make a difference to me. So, however, we're good. So you're on now, right? You're live, live. You're, you're all set? Yes, I'm recording okay. now. Okay, awesome. Okay, so I kind of gave the audience a little bit of an um, intro to who you are. But um, if you want to, you know, give them the, the shorter version of it as to, um, you know, how it is that you're part of our mental health community and, um, like, you know, when you were first diagnosed and stuff like that, give them a short rundown on who you are. Yeah, so I am Johnny. I'm 27 and I live in Tampa, Florida. And basically I wound up in the mental health community because I was experiencing mental illness. Um, So I was diagnosed with a number of different conditions in high school and throughout college. And I spent about 10 years in treatment and did a bunch of peer advocacy and peer support. And now I get to run a mental health resource full time. So it really came full circle. I would say. So um, what was the youngest that you were when you, well, I don't know if you actually realized that you have a mental health issue, but like when somebody noticed that maybe you weren't you know, quite on par or too far on par with your peers? I was exhibiting symptoms of mental illness at a very young age, like very unconventionally young. So when I was a kid, like a toddler, um, I was actually engaging in self-harm and I had to be on watch. So that's even probably before I even understood you know, where flowers come from. That was like early, early, early. And then um, I think they, my symptoms started becoming a lot more pronounced and disruptive in middle school, probably around sixth grade or so is when things started ramping up to the point where it was interrupting my everyday life. Right. Yeah. I I was a kid um, undiagnosed until I was actually age 40, but, um, by the time I was like eight, I also was exhibiting self-harm, stuff like that. And by 14, I had, you know, it was full blown, but nobody back in the day, cause I'm much older than you are, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those things where people were like really eager to help a kid that was showing, you know, mental health issues that they would prefer to just kind of like shove it off and say, oh, that kid's precocious. Let's just, you know, keep them over here a little bit. So um, I totally get that. It's, I totally get that. So, um, how, I want to know, because I have a different stance on it, but what is your thought on medication? Well, I always do my best to word this carefully. I've been uh, cautioned many a time about, <laughs> in fact, I had um, a representative from an organization that I speak with very regularly who called and said, hey, you mentioned uh, medication in your TED talk. And I just mentioned it. And they mm-hmm. said, we, we can't share it within our organization just because you said the word medication. I was like, that seems ridiculous. What? But, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that happens if you, if you say it one way or another. But I will say that 
in my personal experience, so I want to put that huge disclaimer across it. Um, in my personal experience, um, medication played a role in my recovery. So for me, it's not like it magically fixed anything by itself. I still had to do a lot of work. Um, but I do credit, um, a percentage of my recovery to medication. So I hope that doesn't get me canceled. No, 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 (laughs) not here anyway. Um, and everybody, let's just, let's just put it out here. Neither Johnny or I are doctors. We are talking from our own personal experiences. So, um, you know, don't, don't like if like you know when I say I hate my medication it doesn't mean everybody go off your medication don't do it so um you yeah know, we're not doctors but we do have personal experience within this so you know take what we say you know and just filter out the rest that you can't use so when did you realize that music was going to be like a saving grace to you mm, probably before I even realized I was going through anything so when I was a kid, I was like other kids were playing video games or, you know, I, I played sports a little bit, but not as much as my brothers. And really, I was the kind of kid who would like sit down in front of a stereo and just close his eyes and pretend that he was on stage. Like ever since I was a really little kid, like a toddler. So music has music has been the one thing that I think has remained consistent. So my life has changed so much over the course of the last even year, much less last 10 or 20 years, but I can still listen to a record that came out when I was a kid and enjoy it. So it's just, it's nice to have a sense of consistency. Yeah, I totally get that. And music seems to be like that one thing that no matter what is going on that, you know, you can put on a certain song or just listen to something and it will like quell you, you know, like, I've talked to other people about this with the music that because we're all um, vibrational, that we all have our own like sound that we put out. So certain other sounds like resonate with us and like actually kind of help to chill us down a little bit. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but in my experience, there's certain songs that no matter how amped up you are or how sad you are, that you can listen to it and it'll just actually kind of like chill you to that point of where you're resonating at whatever your perfect key or your tonality is supposed to be. Yeah, I listened to this band called Mashuga, and they are from Sweden, and they are very, very heavy. They play with like eight string guitars, and it's like super, super low down tune, and they have really long songs that seem repetitive (laughs) to a lot of people, but to me, I think uh, for a long time, I was like, why the heck does Mashuga calm me down? Like, it's really heavy music, and I just realized, like, there must be some sort of pattern or rhythm or i don't know if it's my heartbeat or the way my blood pumps or whatever but it's just like when i listen to mashuga something in that harmonizes with something in me and not to get too too like musically focused for this question but i do think that you know ever since we couldn't communicate with each other like i'm talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago we've understood um patterns and tone and there are all sorts of rhythms in nature and i think all of that is mirroring like our heartbeats and our breaths and eventually you hear a band like mashuga and you're like wow i can't figure out why i like it and it's probably just because it is 
harmonizing with the rhythms that are keeping your body alive. Yeah, there's something to that. Something with the vagal, the vagal nerve in your that whole system, your whole endorphin system. There's something to that. So it would make sense that I think it does follow the heartbeat and it follows your pulse and things like that. So I don't think you're so far off. And um, let's just put it out there. Let's give Johnny's band some uh, a, a shout out. So he was with Dark Sermon for how many years were you with Dark Sermon? Eight. A long time. Eight. A long time. And now you're the lead singer of Prison. Correct. Uh, yeah. And I've listened to your stuff. Um, 25 years ago, I would have been totally down with it. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not dissing it at all. I had my time where I was with Sepultura and stuff like that. So I mean, not oh, really heck hard yeah. Yeah, not quite as hard as you are, but um, give them a listen. They've got merch out if you're interested in it. Um, go support them in that way as well. Um, so I listened to, like, I think all your TED Talks, and you just recently had one come out um, in February, How to Grow as a Person and Why It Sucks. <laughs> so it's just like, and it does. It does suck. Um, <laughs> now it, it does. Believe me, I've, I'm looking at, I'm on the, I'm on the peak of, of 50 and i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm at the i'm at the cusp of 50 and 60 right now so um growing up it's not easy and especially if you have a mental health issue that you're dealing with um it doesn't make it any easier and one of your talks i don't know which one it was but you said that you felt doomed when you got your mental health diagnoses i get that i felt doomed too um how did you get over that how did you crawl above that to where you felt empowered instead I think it was a matter of just learning about it like there's this trope that we're afraid of things that we don't understand and when I heard schizophrenia I was like oh that's it like I'm stuck forever and I'm broken and I will never get to live a productive life and then when I started reading about it and I don't mean reading like on WebMD I mean I was in school for psychology so I'm not saying just like pulling up an article or reading a news story helped me I mean like actually making an effort to understand the diagnoses and realize like wow it's not like a pretty significant percentage of the population has experienced something like this so it's not just me and then oh these are some of the symptoms that I have and that I don't have and being able to identify um it was being able to separate myself from a condition. Like I would experience a hallucination and go, Oh, well, that's probably not me. That's probably my schizophrenia. And then slowly being able to identify what my own thoughts were and what I'll I'll say, what schizophrenia's thoughts were being able to draw that line really helped me because it helped me figure out like, Oh, this is who I am. And then this is what I'm experiencing. That makes sense. You know, and I like to tell my listeners that, like, a diagnosis is what they use to bill you on. It doesn't mean that it's what you are. That's just their way to, like, bill your, your treatment and stuff like that, to try to take it away from you are your diagnosis, because I greatly disagree with the fact that people, like, if I'm bipolar and I have um, delusional thoughts when I'm not taking my medication properly. And um, I hate it when people are like, well, you're just that crazy one. And it's like, no, my diagnosis is this, but that doesn't make me that, you know, I, I rise above that and try to educate people that, you know, just because we have a mental illness doesn't make us a mental illness. Oh yeah. You're right. Cause I, you, I mean, the stigma that comes, the, the stigma that comes with it is just 
it crazy. And I still, to this day, don't understand why we haven't been able to drop the stigma down a little bit more. But it seems like with your generation coming up, that it doesn't seem to be quite, quite as, you know, like quite, quite as marked as it was when I was growing up where like you never admitted you had a mental health issue. I mean, it didn't matter what was wrong with you. You know, if you were out of school, you'd like, you'd rather be said that you were a pregnant teenager than say that you were out of school for having, you know, a mental health breakdown. So, but your, your generation is really kind of like lessening that stigma <clears throat> as far as I can see. You, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think a big part of it is just that previous generations didn't have as much access to information and to other people's lives. So like, you got to think 40 years ago, if you got a mental health diagnosis, you thought like, Oh no, I can't tell this to anybody. Cause I don't know anybody else who's living with that. And I don't want to be the only one, but now it's like every single time a celebrity buys a yogurt at a grocery store, there's headlines about it. <laughs> so we, not not only do we know a lot more about mental health than we did decades ago, but we also have so much access to not only information, but also other people's lives. So there are people who are in very, very prominent positions right now who are living with bipolar disorder or major depression or generalized anxiety, whatever it is they're living with. And it's public knowledge, like everybody and their grandma knows about that. And it's yep. just because I think the internet makes it so that everybody knows everything all the time. So you can't, we can't choose to insulate ourselves like we used to be able to. I think you got a point there with that. However, I mean like, all right, let's just, we'll just throw the name out there. And Justin Bieber has come clean basically about everything that's going on with him. Now he's not my cup of tea. Let's leave that there. But the fact that he, I mean, now he's, okay he's marketing himself we'll be honest with that he's totally marketing himself but he was honest about something that he didn't actually really need to tell people about about how much he was struggling so I mean I do give him credit for that um the same kind of like with Demi Lovato a little bit coming through with her bipolar and her bulimia stuff and like that um back in the day if somebody would have said like say Brooke Shields would have come out during my time and been like hey I'm bulimic that's how I keep my weight she would have been ostracized mm -hmm. um you know, I mean, it's a, it's a different in the mentality, and I don't know. I mean, I've had this girl on called Ray, Ray Soleil, who's also a singer, and she's out in California, and she is leading, like, this the way through all this, like, to get kids early to understand what, what mental illness is so that they're not, they, the stigma is broken by the age of, like, say, eight or nine, where they don't, like, have this, you know, thought of people with mental illness as being, you know, serial killers and all this stuff that people tend to go towards. So um, I do. I give a big shout out to you, to your generation for helping to, to break the stigma down. So I just want to ask you a question, then we'll get into Coke Notes. Um, have you seen the Joker movie? I have not. I have uh -huh. heard many things about it, and I have not watched it. Can I highly recommend it to you just to... Um, I think it's a beautiful portrayal of how our system fails the mental the mentally ill is what I think. But um, I just, I just want to recommend it to you. Like on one of these dark days now that we're like kind of on a lockdown situation, um, rent it. And then I'm going to get back to you at some point in time and see what you thought about it. Sure. Okay. All right. So let's get into cope notes here. Um, in fact, I got my first cope notes this morning, which um, 
really early, 8.37 in the morning, Arizona time. And it was like, uh, you'd run into 800 or 80,000 people in your lifetime. Do you not think you matter to those 80,000 people? Something along those lines. And I was like, wow, what? Like, <laughs> so, and I was like, because I didn't think that's what it, how it was going to come across. And I thought it was going to, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Like, just some kind of an affirmation that, you know, you get from beliefnet.com and stuff like that, too. So I was like, this is cool. So let's tell the listeners, you explain to listeners, Cope Notes, how you came up with this amazing idea and what you hope to do with it. Um, I think if you want the long version of how it came out, you can listen to my TED Talk. I would recommend that. <laughs> the, the short version is just in the interest of time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was in treatment for so long and I felt like I tried everything under the sun and just was not making the type of progress that I wanted to. So Cope Notes was, Cope Notes, a little known fact, Cope Notes is the third iteration of an idea that I've been trying to get off the ground for years. So originally there was like picture an in-person version of Cope Notes, which couldn't scale. And then less than a year after that, I started working on um, a digital version of Cope Notes that was all web-based. And then people could like choose if it was Skype or a Facebook message or whatever. And that wasn't scalable. And I was getting complaints like, you know, I wish this could be anonymous or I wish I didn't have to set appointments. So feedback like that is actually what helped me create the version of Cope Notes that exists today was just hearing from hundreds of people like this is what works for me and this is what doesn't. And my, my goal with Cope Notes is just to, to provide a solution for all of the in-betweeners, which I would consider myself one of those people. So I think on the spectrum of mental health, you have the top, you know, 1% of people who just are unicorns and they're perfectly healthy inside and out and they've never had a bad day in their whole life. I haven't met one. Um, and then the <laughs> bottom 1% is people who are, um, I, I don't like top and bottom. So I'm going to say the left and the right, cause I don't like the way that top and okay. bottom sounds. Um, I like that better. So on one side, you have people who are just living in a fairy tale and everything is wonderful. And, (laughs) and, you know, they it's milk and honey all day long. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people like I'll say me 10 years ago who need really hands on specific treatment focused intervention so this is when i needed i was in mandatory counseling i mean i was like i just needed some serious attention and Mm -hmm. then there are 98 percent of people in the middle and these are people who you know aren't necessarily in need of like inpatient treatment and they're also not people who have never had a negative thought in their whole life. They're the everyday people. They're people who um, might not be in therapy, but might be able to benefit from it. They're people who might read personal development books or might not be able to stand them. They're people who might meditate or not meditate or pray or not pray or work out or not work out. They're all the people in the middle who are just experiencing the human condition and wanting to build healthier mental and emotional habits. And I just realized of course, there's resources for people on either end of the spectrum, but it didn't seem like there was a lot for people in the middle. 
Right, that makes sense. So, Cope Notes was born. Yes, ma'am. Okay, and um, so you're you have a psychology a psychology degree, right? A bachelor's of psychology. I actually have an associate's was... because my band got signed okay. while I was in college. <laughs> so I actually left college and finished my associate's on the road, and then I was gonna get my bachelor's, but that's when I started working with uh, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Okay. Yep. And I realized yep. I wanted to do peer support rather than become a clinician. Yeah, that talk that you do, um, your is that from NAMI? The um, I can't think of what their their uh, that it's called, but was that the NAMI talk you did the first one you did like two years ago? Uh, well, I've been speaking with NAMI for like a decade, so I'm not sure which one you're talking wow. about. Okay, yeah, there was one like it was just a couple years ago, um, but it was. It, it touched me. So I just want everybody just, if you just go to uh, YouTube and just actually just put his Johnny Crowder, his name in his talks will come up and they are worthy. Um, so it's either way you have a degree in psychology. Um, so do you, would you say that this is like a form of DBT or CBT in a, a very light fashion as to how Cope Notes work? Yeah. It's like a very slow, drip of it. So what I'll just share this. When I was in treatment, I would have a really awesome therapy session with my counselor. And then I would leave. So I'd make a ton of forward progress for an hour. And then I would spend six days and 23 hours in like complete backslide. Like I would, I would just have such a difficult time maintaining my progress and staying accountable during the week between sessions. So Coke Notes isn't designed to be like one huge thing once a week or once a month. It's designed to be like one small thing every day because over time you can't really build a habit if you only do something once a week or once a month. Like what helps change the shape of your brain to make habits feel natural and second nature is that daily consistent aspect so really we're just trying to keep people in shape in between whatever else they do right and then because it's so you randomly it's randomly hit you every day on your text so you're not expecting it so there's no there's it's it's kind i think i kind of dig the idea of how you're doing that because it's just you're not expecting it and it could come at that moment where you're having that flash of a bad thought and then it's like, oh, wait, really? I account to 80,000 people? Like, what? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like how I took it this morning. Like, because I like that randomness of it. Like, the, um, um, my, it's too early for me in the morning here. My head is not thinking of big words right now. The spontaneity of it, when it will hit you. I mean, and now, and I really don't want to talk about too much, but we kind of have to touch on what's going on today. Um, I think that Coke Notes could greatly help people and, what you know our lockdown situations or our quarantining situations to get themselves out of that strict mindset that we're that people are falling into today um that you know there it's bigger it's bigger than you type thing you know like to get something that says you count to eighty thousand people could change somebody's mindset today so greatly that they might be like well if that's true then how can i help somebody today instead of just thinking about themselves and about how this situation is affecting mm-hmm. them you know, I, I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I mean, um, so as far as, as far as it goes today, do you have any like tips for people 
for positivity that so that they can break out of the darkness that people are starting to fall into? Yeah, I actually um, just wrote a an op-ed that's going to be published this weekend. Um, but so I'll maybe I'll post that when it comes out and it's like a list of tips, but I'll share um, one that I've been taking to heart recently, which is um, just because you can't be with people doesn't mean you can't communicate with them. So Mm -hmm. I've been really focused like, and man, if listeners knew who I was, they would be like, what he did this. Cause this is very abnormal for me, but I actually scheduled Skype conversations with friends of mine this past weekend and went pretty like, I think if you say, yeah, I'll hit my friend up this weekend or whatever, if you're stuck in quarantine mode, you might just scroll through social media the whole time, or you might just watch Netflix all day long. So I literally put, I put it into the calendar on my phone that said Skype call with Aniela 1 PM on Saturday. And it's, making sure that I'm actually having prolonged interaction with somebody every day. And it, you know, it's actually hearing somebody's voice and seeing somebody's face while I am not a huge fan of um, video calls when compared to in-person interaction. Of course, I wish I could be with people in real life, but because we can't, we need to be all the more intentional about connecting with other people because when you are isolated like during a quarantine, it's easy to feel isolated. It's almost impossible not to. And that's the kind of stuff that can snowball things that have maybe been, you know, swelling up inside of you. So I think the best way to check that is just to make sure that at least once per day, you are having some sort of meaningful communication with someone or something outside of your little bubble. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking that too. Everybody's just like, you know, you know, 10 people and all that and all. And I'm just like, you know, you can Zoom or like Skype people. I mean, like we've been doing that forever for people in Europe that we can't like touch base with on a physical level. So it's like, it's, it, you know, it doesn't need to be all that different here. And we still can hang out in groups of 10. So it's not like you can't go to say a meeting or something if you're having, you know, difficulties in that way either. But yeah, I know a lot of, we aren't yet, but we're not on this like like shelter in place thing yet, but I know a lot of people are, so I shouldn't like talk like everybody has it like I do right now, because we still have it kind of easy up here, um, so mm. to speak. So, um, and then how are you rebranding mental illness? I think the prevailing understanding of mental illness is that, you know, like you said, like a serial killer or like someone in a straitjacket. And I think then when people think about someone coming to speak at their school or their conference about mental health, they picture, you know, this old white guy in a lab coat with a big mustache. And, you know, he's like 70 years old and he's, he's throwing around these like big terms and using a bunch of jargon. So when I show up and I'm like covered in tattoos and wearing a t-shirt and Jordans, I think people are like, Oh, this is not at all what I thought. And then people wonder like, Oh, I guess he's, he must be a doctor or something. And I'm like, no, like I am not a doctor. I am a peer with lived experience. And I I actually live with bipolar and with schizophrenia and OCD and their eyes get so huge every single time I say that stuff. Cause they're like, 
no, not you. Like other people have that stuff. You look normal. And it's like, normal? <laughs> what are you talking about? What is that? <laughs> like, what is normal? I mean, I, yeah. Um, so is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with today? Um, do you want to drop any, um, you know, anything else that you want them to uh, be connected with? Um, I will say that we're doing... Uh, we're actually doing a pretty cool thing at the moment. So we're doing two weeks free for anyone in the world. So for cope notes, that is, so you don't have to enter your credit card information or your name or your address or anything like that. Um, so if you want to redeem two free weeks and there are no strings attached, it's not going to trick you into paying for anything. You can just really try it out and just use it for a couple of weeks and see if you like it. Um, you can go to copenotes.com slash trial, T-R-I-A-L, or um, if you live in the U.S., you can text the word COPE, C-O-P-E, to the number 33222, and that'll give you two weeks free. And we just started this, and I'm super excited about this. That's why I saved it for last. Um, if you go to copenotes.com slash share, S-H-A-R-E, you can gift two weeks of cope notes to anybody in the world for free. It is a hundred percent free and it's a cool way to show some other folks who may be quarantined as well that they're on your mind. There you go. That's perfect. So I got to say as the face, the a face of mental health, um, you're pretty awesome, man. I'm, I'm really glad that I found this, that, um, I, how did I find you? I think I found you on Twitter through somebody else, through somebody else. But either way, um, I want to thank you for doing what you do. And I want to encourage my listeners to sign up and check it out. He's not joking. It is free. They're, they don't ask for any credit card information whatsoever. And you too can get your first text probably tomorrow if you sign up today and be like totally shocked and happy <laughs> and like taken out of your own head for just a minute and I don't know what else you offer because I just signed up for this but I know that there's a whole bunch of peer support and um, a bunch of other uh, tools that you give on the on the website so uh, I want to encourage my listeners to go there and check it out um, go check out his music it may not be your thing but go check it out because you'll see that this guy's the real <laughs> deal man so <laughs> you really are I was I gotta tell you I was shocked but I'm like look at I see what you look like and everything and then I go and I'm like holy moly this guy's for real heck yeah it's (laughs) the only way to be (laughs) I agree with you completely it is absolutely the only way to be um so it's Johnny Crowder www.copenotes.com copenotes podcast dark sermon and prison are his bands and check them out on YouTube Johnny Crowder C-R-O-W C-R-O-W-D-E-R check out his um his TED talk and um, you got a bunch of stuff up there. So uh, everybody go check him out and uh, support him too. And um, wow, Johnny, I want to say thanks. This was amazing. And um, I'm so happy that I found you. And I'm so happy that I found Cope Notes because it's going to help me out for the next two weeks. And I'll probably actually sign up. Heck for yeah. That'd be awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy to help. Thanks for reaching out. Hey, you're welcome. Have All a good right, day. All right, you too. So there's Johnny. What a great interview, huh, everybody? So just to uh, go back over it a little bit, Johnny Crowder, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-R-O-W-D-E-R, 
founder and CEO of Cope Notes, where you can be found at www.copenotes.com, also the Cope Notes podcast. And as he stated, two weeks free when you go on to Cope Notes, and you can also gift it to somebody if you put in www.copenotes.com slash share. So be sure to uh, go and, you know, bomb his site right now, and um, let's see if we can... Uh, get a whole bunch of us on there so that we um, can get through this pandemic it's a little bit easier knowing that there's other people that are coping with it just the same as you are. So this is Dawn Shereen and this is my podcast Dancing with Bipolar and hey let's all stay alive okay? Later. Hi this is Dawn Shereen of Dancing with Bipolar. As we all know COVID-19 better known as coronavirus has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease however. Wash your hands, Avoid touching your face, including your mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay home and away from other sick people, except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. That's cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you.